This is Chapter Nine of Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Greenman. Personal Recollections of Joan of Arc by Mark Twain, Volume One, Book Two, Chapter Nine. She is made General in Chief. It was indeed a great day, and a stirring thing to see. She had won. It was a mistake of Tremouille and her other ill-wishers to let her hold court those nights. The commission of priests sent to Lorraine, ostensibly to inquire into Joan's character, in fact, to weary her with delays and wear out her purpose and make her give it up, arrived back and reported her character perfect. Our affairs were in full career now, you see. The verdict made a prodigious stir. Dead France woke suddenly to life wherever the great news travelled whereas before the spiritless and cowed people hung their heads and slunk away if one mentioned war to them, now they came clamoring to be enlisted under the banner of the Maid of Vaucouleurs, and the roaring of war-songs and the thundering of the drums filled all the air. I remembered now what she had said that time there in our village, when I proved by facts and statistics that France's case was hopeless, and nothing could ever rouse the people from their lethargy. They will hear the drums, and they will answer. They will march. It has been said that misfortunes never come one at a time, but in a body. In our case it was the same with good luck. Having got a start, it came flooding in tide after tide. Our next wave of it was of this sort. There had been grave doubts among the priests as to whether the church ought to permit a female soldier to dress like a man but now came a verdict on that head. Two of the greatest scholars and theologians of the time, one of whom had been Chancellor of the University of Paris, rendered it. They decided that since Joan must do the work of a man and a soldier, it is just and legitimate that her apparel should conform to the situation. It was a great point gained, the Church's authority to dress as a man. Oh, yes, wave on wave the good luck came sweeping in. Never mind about the smaller waves. Let us come to the largest one of all, the wave that swept us small fry quite off our feet and almost drowned us with joy. The day of the great verdict, couriers had been dispatched to the king with it, and the next morning bright and early the clear notes of a bugle came floating to us on the crisp air, and we pricked up our ears and began to count them. One, two, three, pause. One, two, pause one, two, three, again, and out we skipped and went flying, for that formula was used only when the king's herald-at-arms would deliver a proclamation to the people. As we hurried along, people came racing out of every street and house and alley, men, women, and children, all flushed, excited, and throwing lacking articles of clothing on as they ran. Still those clear notes pealed out, and still the rush of people increased till the whole town was abroad and streaming along the principal street. At last we reached the square, which was now packed with citizens, and there, high on the pedestal of the great cross, we saw the herald in his brilliant costume, with his servitors about him. The next moment he began his delivery in the powerful voice proper to his office. "'Know all men, and take heed therefore—' that the Most High, the Most Illustrious Charles, by the grace of God King of France, hath been pleased to confer upon his well-beloved servant Joan of Arc, 
called the maid the title emoluments authorities and dignity of general-in-chief of the armies of france here a thousand caps flew in the air and the multitude burst into a hurricane of cheers that raged and raged till it seemed as if it would never come to an end but at last it did then the herald went on and finished and hath appointed to be her lieutenant and chief of staff a prince of his royal house his grace the duke of alencon that was the end and the hurricane began again and was split up into innumerable strips by the blowers of it and wafted through all the lanes and streets of the town general of the armies of france with a prince of the blood for subordinate yesterday she was nothing to-day she was this yesterday she was not even a sergeant not even a corporal not even a private to-day with one step she was at the top yesterday she was less than nobody to the newest recruit to-day her command was law to la hire saint the bastard of orleans and all those other veterans of old renown illustrious masters of the trade of war these were the thoughts i was thinking i was trying to realize this strange and wonderful thing that had happened you see my mind went travelling back and presently lighted upon a picture a picture which was still so new and fresh in my memory that it seemed a matter of only yesterday and indeed its date was no further back than the first days of january this is what it was a peasant girl in a far-off village her seventeenth year not yet quite completed and herself and her village as unknown as if they had been on the other side of the globe she had picked up a friendless wanderer somewhere and brought it home a small gray kitten in a forlorn and starving condition and had fed it and comforted it and got its confidence and made it believe in her and now it was curled up in her lap asleep and she was knitting a coarse stocking and thinking dreaming about what one may never know and now the kitten had hardly had time to become a cat and yet already the girl is general of the armies of france with a prince of the blood to give orders to and out of her village obscurity her name has climbed up like the sun and is visible from all corners of the land it made me dizzy to think of these things they were so out of the common order and seemed so impossible End of chapter nine